Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. everyone and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me your host Chloe Timms. This week I'm talking to Mandy Byatt about her psychological thriller Just Another Liar. Mandy began writing Just Another Liar on the Faber Academy writing a novel course in 2016 and in 2019 it was shortlisted in the Grands Net HQ Novel Competition. She's recently completed an MA at the University of East Anglia and as well as writing psychological suspense novels, she also writes historical fiction. In this episode, Mandy and I discuss finding empathy in your morally grey characters, the benefits of doing an MA and other writing courses, and how resilience and perseverance are key to success. But first, here's Mandy with an extract from Just Another Liar. Chapter 1 The silver heart of the necklace was cool between Anna's fingers. She wanted to slide it over her burning cheeks, press it to her eyelids. Right, can we have a bit of quiet, please? Six formers ignored her, their chatter, giggles, beeping mobiles filling both the room and her head. She took a breath. She'd volunteered to accompany them on their visit to the local university, but hadn't realised they'd be as excitable as a bunch of five-year-olds on their first visit to a zoo. I said quiet. A group of girls at the back of the lecture theatre looked up, the pink O's of their lips showing their surprise at her raised voice. In the eleven weeks she'd been at St Edward's, she hadn't had cause to shout once. The independent school in the wealthy suburb of Manchester, with its fees of £4,000 per term, was worlds away from the comprehensive she'd taught at in Exeter. Can those at the back fill up some of the benches down here? She put her hand to her stomach as it groaned for the breakfast she'd been unable to eat. Her skin was clammy, a sheen on her face. The clock high on the wall said five past. Was there time to go and flick some powder over her nose? Anna didn't want him to see her like this. I'd never let him see her when she was less than perfect. Jumping out of bed, diving into the bathroom, brushing her teeth, showering, putting on makeup before he'd even opened his eyes. Did he know she was here? Had he heard her name and thought it was merely a coincidence? Or was he rushing along the corridor now, anticipation doing the same dance through his veins as it was through hers? And yet, this morning, 
instead of the buzz she'd been expecting to feel when the alarm had gone off. A sense of unease had taken its place. Hi, Mandy. It's so nice to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Chloe. Lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. First of all, can you, without giving too much away, explain the plot of your novel, Just Another Liar? So uh, it's about uh, three women, Anna, Denise and Petra. And for various reasons, they turn to online dating to meet someone. Um, There they meet the um, gorgeous Dr. David Kingfisher. Um, They all fall in love with him, but when they still haven't met him after three months, they start to wonder if David is all he seems. Um, So they meet up and then realising that David's uh, lied to them, they decide to hunt him down. Um, But of course, what they don't know is that he's also hunting them. And uh, I don't think it's a spoiler because it says it on the back of the book. Uh, very soon, one of them ends up dead. Oh, lots of juicy <laughs> uh, revelations in this in this book. Um, yeah. I know you've had success when it comes to online dating. But what inspired <laughs> yeah. you to create this story about catfishing and where the kind of the perils of online dating? Yeah, um, so... I think it must have been uh, about six or seven years ago that um, I read an article about a woman who'd fallen in love uh, with this uh, person online and been completely conned by them. I mean, you know, perhaps we read about stories like that all the time now, don't we? And they're in documentaries all the time. And But, you know, six or seven years ago, maybe it wasn't so common. Um, so that idea really sort of stuck with me and I thought you know both from the victim side how would they feel about being conned but also you know why would somebody do that to someone what what's the motive behind it so yeah that that was sort of the inspiration uh for the for the book yeah it's interesting you say about it becoming a more kind of popular topic because I read an article the other day that said in the pandemic there's been a huge increase in online scams, um, particularly like relationship scams. Um, I know yeah. I'm always getting people add me on Instagram and <laughs> <they're> just <laughs> scream scams. So yeah, it's definitely become more common. So your yeah. book is a, um, a psychological thriller. So what, what is it that appeals to you? What, what appeals to you about the genre that, that made you decide to, to write it? Like most people, I, I'm interested in why people do the things they do. So, um, you know, if we see something terrible on the news about someone who's been murdered, you know, you everyone thinks, don't they? Well, why did that person do that? So I think that was the push for me. And I like in psychological thrillers, you know, it is about the why and it's about delving into people's characters, examining the motives. So, yeah, that that was it for me. Although, you know, I do I have written historical fiction as well although crime as well yeah it's difficult because a lot of writers have have inspired me not Mm. just you know psychological thrillers or domestic noir so um one of my favorite novels is Shutter Island by uh Dennis Lehane um I just I just love that novel for the 
I don't know if it's a spoiler to say, the big twist at the end. Um, so, yeah, I love that. I like um, Alex Marwood's novels. Um, she always delves deeply into character and they've always, um, they're always of the moment, you know, um, topical subjects. Um, loads of different authors. Um, I mean, just... You know, you're constantly reading, aren't you? So authors are inspiring you all the time. I've loved this year or last year now. Uh, we Begin at the End by Chris Whitaker. I don't know if you've read that, but um, just a brilliant book, just for the sense of place. Characters, again, a great twist. In your novel, it centres around three women who are very distinct and are all in very vulnerable places, I suppose. For a, the way, That's the way catfishing works, is that they tend to prey on vulnerable women and was it a challenge for mm -hmm. you to try and make them distinct when you were writing them um particularly at the start of the book um we follow the three separate women denise anna and petra um i think writing's always a challenge isn't it and finding that character's voice but i think uh, for me once i've worked out what the character wants in the novel and in life, you know, and, and what they fear the most, uh, what they're afraid of people finding out about them, um, what they're afraid of, you know, almost revealing to themselves. And I think you start to build in your own mind a good idea of what they're like. And also you give them, don't you, you give them physical tics and, you know, they dress differently and they speak differently, obviously. Um, they interact with other people differently. Um, so, yeah, I th once I got into them and, like I said, worked out what they feared, what they wanted, um, I mean, they're all lonely, these three women, um, so they all want companionship, they all want love. Um, yeah, I, I found it quite easy to then jump back into their voices. And when you were, say, working away kind of into their voices... Did you do things like free writing? How did you kind of work out who they were? Yeah, so I, I'm very much a mm -hmm. planner. Um, so I, yeah, I write a lot of uh, notes beforehand. Um, yeah, I can be writing notes forever. Unless <laughs> <laughs> I get down to actually writing the novel. So yeah, write a character backstory, um, you know, where they came from, what the childhood was like, what they do now for a job, who their friends are, what things they like. Um, so yeah, that that's how I work it. And but then I, I also think you can do all that work and that's great. But then once you start writing, characters seem to I won't mm. say speak to you because that just sounds <laughs> rubbish. But uh, writers, uh, sorry, characters, this they, they grow and they change and suddenly you're typing a sentence. And uh, For example, Petra is um, an alcoholic uh, in the novel and that only came to me when mm. I was writing it. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't planned that out before. Yeah, it's funny. I always used to think when people said that characters spoke to them that they were absolutely mad for saying for saying that I thought that can't be true but it genuinely happens like when you're writing sometimes characters do things that you really don't want them to do and they go off in directions that you're like why have you done this I didn't need you to do this yeah 
<laughs> yeah exactly. do you have yeah. come back in line. <laughs> yeah exactly do you write yeah. out um I know there's some writers really love those kind of character questionnaires do you go for them or do you do you just kind of come up with it in your own head a bit of both really it depends if I'm struggling I might go to a character questionnaire so you know I've got um a lot of mm. books on writing so you know I I delve into those and some of them are quite detailed yeah. aren't they you know um characters motivations do you have a favorite uh, writing book that that helps Oh, gosh, gosh. Well, I started with um, a book on, I think it was, I'm just looking on my shelf now. Um, oh, here it is. Teach Yourself Screenwriting. Okay, so you went down a screenwriting <laughs> which, route to help you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did start, I did write a novel about 25 years ago um, and self-published it. Um and sold about 150 copies of it, but I did no promotion. It had the worst cover you've ever seen, which someone who reviewed it said, this is the worst cover I've ever seen. Um, but then I did write a screenplay um, that I entered into the Orange Pathé screenwriting competition, and that um, was long-listed, so it came in the top 30 out of 1,100. Wow, so, that's brilliant. Um, this teach yourself... Yeah, yeah, I was completely shocked. Um, so this teach yourself screenwriting book is sort of the, probably the first book on writing I had so I always go back to that for structure and plots you know inciting incidents yeah. and turning points and, and of course for for psychological thrillers those those uh big plot points are really important to get right aren't they as well I want to talk about um your catfisher David himself and obviously I'm not going to give anything away when I ask you this question but there's some chapters that are written from a first person point of view where you have David speak to the reader and they were so much fun to read so I want to know like were they fun to write and how did you find writing from that kind of like wicked perspective yeah I loved it (laughs) I I really loved it um so those uh chapters are in first person so as if uh, David speaking so yeah I love just diving into his character and um, yeah it's um, I, I like writing the dark side <laughs> of the stories in fact my editor made me tone bits of it down oh really just like oh no, no <laughs> that's a bit too much that's a bit too much pullback so um yeah, I, I, I like it. And actually, the novel I'm working on now, um, part of that, one of the characters in that is written from the first person point of view. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Mm. I recorded an interview with um, Sarah Bonner about her, her thriller, A Perfect Twin. And she was saying mm-hmm. that um, she really enjoyed writing The Dark Side. And she was saying that she thinks first person's important because it's quite, if you're selling that kind of villainous character it's a lot easier for the reader to kind of be transported into their kind of wicked plans if you're in that first person do you think you found that's the same did you naturally go towards first person for writing David um I did yeah um I think you can you can do it in third person as well um first person I wanted something that was quite immediate Mm. Um, and also because, you know, the book hangs on finding out who David Mm. is, doesn't it? 
having it in first person means that talking to them that I did this, I did that. I Mm. you can Mm. hide it, yeah. So yeah, it's a plot device as well. Yeah, and it works and it works well. As I always say, I'm absolutely terrible at guessing who anyone is. So you had me fall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great, great. (laughs) Um, I'm not gonna as I said, not gonna give any spoilers away, but is there an element of empathy when you've got to try and work out what David's motives are? So when we find out who David actually is, um, did you mm. have to think quite carefully about how are you gonna how are you gonna think about his motives? Um yes, because um I, I really want the reader to feel sorry for david Mm. whoever david is (laughs) at the ends of the novel so i um you know like i said at the beginning it's important to understand you know people aren't just black or white so you know there's grayness isn't there to everyone you know we're not all bad or good so i wanted the reader to understand why david's done this and to you know sympathize empathize Mm with him um and i i have i can't even speak have asked some people who've read it um you know oh did you feel sorry for david at the end and a few have said oh no no i didn't at all no no i don't like oh ha. that's not what i wanted but you know others have said yeah you know they they could see why uh david acted mm. like that um which was the whole point of it i want i want the reader to feel you know um i want the reader to love and be frustrated by all all mm. the characters in the novel um yeah it's that yeah, it's the, the, the flawed human thing isn't it you don't and i think with, yeah. with the david thing it's it's that moral gray area that perhaps it's a good thing that people are divided from how they feel at the end really yeah, exactly. Yeah. So have any of your family read the, your novel? And, and if they have, what are their reactions to your dark side? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, my s- sister's read my novel. Um, and she's she does read, but she's not a massive big reader. But she, she rang me up one night about 10 o'clock and she's like, guess what I've done today? And I was like, what? She goes, I've read your novel. <laughs> It was, I've read it all in one day. I've just uh, sat uh, in bed. Probably shouldn't say that about my sister. <laughs> and uh, just read your novel. Um, but yeah, she said um, it's got some rude bits in it. And that's been the comment from my uh, mother as well, who's currently reading it. <laughs> They're both like, Mandy, there is, there's some rude bits in this. But, um, so I think people are more worried about the rude bits than the, mm. you know, um, it's not great to... Go to bed with someone, but killing people. Yeah, yeah. The, mur- the murder's absolutely <laughs> Go for fine. It. I mean, they're not worried about that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we get into talking about um, how you got into writing, there's something a little bit more specific that I wanted to talk about in your book. And I, and I don't know whether you'll know if I just say to you chapter 37, but you've got a chapter where all your suspects are lined up and there's a lot of tension and teasing and it's very much like a whodunit. And it kind of reminded me of a, a film or a TV show where all of your suspects are looking suspicious and looking, you know, like they're, like they're dodgy. And I wanted to know whether you were particularly inspired by something writing that scene 
um, because I think it was a really good tease for readers because your your moments are kind of your chapters away from the big reveal but that's a really nice way of lining up all your your red herrings and your suspects mm-hmm. yeah I think you've summed it up beautifully <laughs> there Chloe that's that's just what I was I don't think I was inspired by anything but um I that's what I wanted to do so um if you remember someone makes this is giving away away nothing but someone makes a phone call and then I wanted to line everyone up answering the mm. phone so yeah just to line them up so people there are a lot of characters in this book so I think it's good to give people a reminder um and yeah could it be them could it be them um so yeah that was the point of that chapter and I, I think as you said a lot of people who've read it have said to me that they didn't guess who David mm. was until the end of the novel. So, yeah, that's worked well, I think, that chapter. Yeah, definitely. It does. It reminds me of, I, I don't know where I, I've got this memory from, but of a, of a TV show, a film where, where you hear like a, a knock on the door and everyone's, you know, you have lots of characters that have their, their door knocked on and you don't quite know who it's going to be that's going to be uh, the, the suspect. But it's a really good device, I think. And I think um, people could take a lot from it as a, as a really fun way of kind of, getting all your suspects lined up and getting the reader to to kind of place their bets as, as to who they think it is so it's, a, it's really well done thank you yeah yeah I've thought about doing it in book two <laughs> as well I don't know whether you'll have to find a, a way more. a different way to do it I don't know how, how you do it you're you're the uh you're the crime writer not me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into writing I know you said you you mentioned uh, a book you self-published yourself and um uh, a historical novel as well can you talk a little bit about how you got into writing was it something you started when you were young um I, I'd always I didn't really write a lot when I was younger and I'm not one of these people you know oh I've always scribbled in notebooks or anything but I did enjoy I've always enjoyed English and English literature um in fact I don't know why I didn't do that you know I did marketing and German instead <laughs> but there you go um, but it was always, um, I've always liked making up stories in my head. I've got a bit of a wild imagination. Um, so yeah, I started maybe, yeah, 25 years ago, um, thought I'm going to have a go at writing a novel. I'd probably written a few short stories before that, but you know, it's, no one had taken them. So I wrote that novel, um, actually, uh, just remembered I did write I read an article um, about Lisa Jewell who had got her agent by writing the first three chapters of a novel and sending that into an agent so I thought oh that's what I'll do <laughs> it seems a bit too much like hard work to write the whole novel I'll write the first three chapters so I did that and sent off to the same agent as Lisa Jewell had at the time um, and she asked to see the full manuscript <laughs> And I was like, oh, I've not actually written it. So, she, yeah, she wasn't very impressed. Anyway, I probably spent um, three or four months then scribbling away, uh, finished it, sent it off to her, but no, she didn't want to take it. Um, tried a few more agents, no. So, I, yeah, this was probably when uh, Amazon, Kindle, self-publishing, whatever they call it now, uh, was taking off, so... Um, I tried that. As I said, I sold 150 copies. Um, 
yeah, so that was that. And then I've written uh, screenplays. I've um, done some trial scripts for Doctors, uh, Family Affairs. It used to be on Channel 5. I, I once had an interview for Hollyoaks. Um, I did too. So, um, <laughs> yeah. did you? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, honestly, I think I conned this woman <laughs> into... Um, to having um, invited me for an interview and she was a really really nice lady so I, oh you drive to Liverpool mm. don't you and I got there and um, you know you have to walk through the set and you see all these actors and I sat in this room thinking I'll be fine I'll be fine and this producer came in and started firing all these questions at me I was just like what am I doing here? No, no. So, no, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Um, so uh, that that was that. Um, and then I've done a few radio plays. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention that because you, um, you've you been shortlisted mm. for several competitions and you won a monologue competition for uh, BBC Five Live. Can you talk a bit about um, that? Yeah, so um, I was one of the winners. So it was for the World Cup in, I'm going to say 2006. Um, and the competition was to write a uh, monologue uh, based around the World Cup. Um, and they picked, I don't know how many winners, maybe eight or ten, I'm not sure. And then produced the plays. So, um, yeah, that, that was great. I've still got the CD somewhere um, <laughs> with a you know, proper actor <laughs> reading out my monologue. Um, how do you think, how so, do you think yeah. that kind of entering competitions and, and succeeding helped you? Did it give you more confidence? Oh, definitely, yeah. I was only saying this to someone the other day that, you know, um, and don't get me wrong, I've entered a lot of competitions <laughs> and got nowhere. But I think once you, you do start um, getting placed, either long-listed or short-listed, it gives you a real boost to mm. your confidence. And I, I, I do think that was when things started to turn around for me, really. Um, so it was 2019 uh, that I was shortlisted in the Grands Net HQ prize with Just Another Liar uh, that's coming out. Um, obviously before I'd got an agent or got a publisher for it and I was also a couple of months later shortlisted and no sorry longlisted in the Historical Writers Association um, short book awards for a, um, an historical crime novel that I'd written so that was yeah it did give me confidence it just made me think okay writing you know right the writing must have something in it and the stories you know must have something in them so it encouraged me to keep sending off to agents um, and I know you started yeah. just another liar at Faber Academy again was that where you wrote your first draft um I wrote the first 15,000 mm. words at the Faber Academy yeah on their online six-month course um yeah so how did that course help you that was the first I had done courses before that so like day courses you know writing radio plays and I'd been on a couple of Arvon courses and actually just 
remembered again. I'd been to on the Skiros Writers Lab, which is a a two week course in Greece, which is just fantastic. <laughs> Obviously, it was in Greece. <laughs> um, but I think the Faber Academy course was the first time um, where it was a proper structured course, and you got um, peer feedback, which I think is so important. You know, and both from the point of people feeding back on your work, but also you feeding back on theirs, because it, it just sharpens your skills, I think. Because, it, I don't know, it's just easier somehow to spot things that you don't like in mm. other people's work than in your own, but then it does make you think about your own work. Um, so, yeah, uh, I love that course. Um, I've still, you know, I'm still in touch with people. That was in 20... 16 and I'm still in touch with people now from that course um who still you know read mm. read my novel before it goes to my editor so yeah great experience yeah I had a very similar experience with the Faber Academy I think it it really makes a difference to be around people who are taking it as seriously as you are and they're putting the same amount of effort yeah. into critiquing your work as they do into writing their own I think that's what you need to to really shape your your novel into something good you, you never stop learning do you which is why I, I keep buying the, uh, <laughs> writing books and I you know I still go on courses or you know I, I'd like to go on courses as well um because I don't think you ever you ever stop mm. learning you never put down your pen I'm and done. go right I'm a writer <laughs> yeah. I know I now know how to do this <laughs> yeah I completely agree and I think there's always that there's always something new to learn whether it's something about structure or whether you are sort of you fancy trying a different genre I think there's always things um you can learn I think um obviously you don't need to do a course but I think they're quite helpful to be in an environment where everyone's really committed to to making their writing as good as it can be you've just finished studying for an MA at UEA when everyone I think everyone knows UEA's got an amazing reputation some huge names have come out of UEA and um I, I'm, I'm very jealous because I imagine it was an amazing experience. Um, for anyone thinking of doing an <laughs> MA, whether at UEA or elsewhere, what do you think are the benefits of it? It's such a brilliant course to get on. It, one, it gives you that boost of confidence because I think, you know, um, the competition to get on the course is quite fierce. So I, I can remember, you know, finding out that I've got a place and just, been you know <laughs> wow and just you know filled with confidence and then um it's same as you said Chloe just being surrounded by people who you know love writing want to learn about writing um you know you've got access to um, these amazing tutors um you can you know meet authors have a lot of author events um you get feedback on your work. And the, the big thing for me with doing the MA, and which is why I chose to apply to UEA, I did actually the creative writing crime fiction part-time MA over two years. And the reason why I, I applied for that one was because I wanted to finish a novel um, within, um, you know, within the course um, because I'd done the Faber Academy, loved it, you know, finished just another liar, which is out this week. Um, but then after I'd finished it and I'd sent it around to some agents, 
back then and hadn't got any takers, you know, you get those doubts creeping in, don't you? <laughs> you think, oh, uh, maybe I should give this up as a bad job and do something else. And I did. I trained to be a Kundalini yoga teacher, which was just madness <laughs> because I'm the most unsported person ever. <laughs> but anyway, I did that. And then I, I thought, oh, no, you know, I love writing. I can't stop writing. Um, and I, I wanted, you know, to just learn more about the craft as well um, and dive back into it. Um, and I wanted to write another novel. Um, so the course enabled me to do that. Um, that's um, his, that's historical fiction as well. It's set in the run up to the Queen's coronation in 1953, um, and it's very noir. Um, so um, yeah, and just that course, you know, gave you. It's a full deep dive into the crime genre. So you know, starting way back with um, Wilkie Collins, you know, moving through noir, domestic noir, thrillers, you know, real life crime. Um, yeah, I, I just yeah recommend mm. it to anyone. Yeah, it sounds like a really good course. Can we talk a little bit about yeah. how you got your book deal? How did it come about? Yeah, I said tonight with the competitions, um, getting placed in those, I sort of had a little boost of confidence and also being at UEA um, as well, um, I just thought, you know, I'm going to start sending out again to agents just another layer. Oh, and I must say, I had been to a talk, at, I had been to the York Writing Festival, I think that's what it's called, uh, run by Jericho Writers in the September of 2019. And I'd gone to a talk there where a lady had said, you know, if you've had any um, positive feedback from agents, then you must keep sending your novel out because you've just not find, found the right agent for you. So I had had quite a lot of positive feedback. Uh, the first time I'd sent just another liar out, um, I'd had, you know, requests for full manuscripts. Um, so I decided to, yeah, go on round two, start sending it out again. So I started in February 2020, sending it round. The day after I'd sent it out, I remember I was at the supermarket, I got an email, um, an agent had asked for the full manuscript, so... As you are, really excited, aren't you? Then three months went by. <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing. But then one day, um, yeah, I got an email and I couldn't quite believe it. It was the same day I took my mum to hospital with suspected COVID. <laughs> and I got back and uh, checked my emails and, um, yeah, I'd been offered representation. So I was just... Gobsmacked, really. <laughs> I couldn't believe it after you know all those attempts. So, got an agent in, and my mum was fine. By the way, she hadn't got COVID. She was fine. Um, got the agent in May twenty twenty. Um, uh, we did a few changes to the book. N not a great deal of changes at that point, and then he started submitting it to uh, publishers, um, and then. Um, in September 2020, um, Avon Books offered me a two-book deal. So, um, and 
to be honest, it was quite, <laughs> that was another shock because Bill, Bill Goodall, who's my agent, sent me an email on um, the Monday. I was, at, I was at work. I was checking my emails <laughs> I shouldn't have been doing, but I was checking my private emails. <laughs> and it, the, the email said something like, have you thought about a second idea um, for for another book? And I, I was thinking, what's he on, what's he on about here? So I, I rang him up and he was like, didn't you get my email? And it had dropped into oh, no. a junk folder on a Saturday <laughs> <laughs> saying that um, Phoebe Morgan, who was um, at Avon at the time, she's still with Collins, obviously, um, loved the novel and wanted to take it to the acquisition meeting on the Wednesday and did I have an idea for a second novel? So I, I tried to think quickly of another idea. I don't know whether Bill pitched those two or not. But anyway, on the Wednesday, I said, Bill, don't send me an email in case it drops <laughs> into the junk folder. Just ring me and tell me either way. So he rang me on the Wednesday and yeah, they offered me a two book deal. So I was, as you can imagine, Delighted, gobsmacked, overwhelmed. And thank goodness it didn't land in a junk folder. That's all I can say. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> What's your experience been like as a debut, especially kind of in the last couple of years? Um, in the pandemic like what's it what's it felt like has has it kind of all felt a bit surreal because obviously a lot of things have been done virtually yeah it has felt strange I mean I've never I haven't met my agent I've never met <laughs> my editor or anyone at Avon um, but you know Zoom's worked well and you know Zoom's allowed me to meet a lot of other debut authors like you Chloe and all the other people that are, um, you know have novels coming out this year so um, yeah and it's I know no one wanted to go through the pandemic did they but um, it did give us a little bit of extra time didn't it um, so it allowed me to you know concentrate use that time for writing really if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So if you can, can you give me maybe three top tips for people who want to write psychological thrillers like yours? So read a lot, read around the genre a lot. Um, but don't try to second guess what's going to be popular. I think, you know, you you have to write the book that you want to write um, because if you try and write to, you know, a formula or what you think is going to be popular, I just don't think it'll work. So, yeah, that's the first tip. Um, plan. I always say this to people. Mm. I know some writers don't plan, but... I honestly cannot think how you would write a crime novel if you didn't plan it out first. I would just be in a complete mess. So, yeah, plan and plan and plan again and keep going through that plan until it's watertight. I mean, things will change once you start writing and then you can go back to your plan and change it. And you know, But planning, I think, for me is important. And like we said about motivation, I think that comes into the planning, doesn't it? Once you've, once you've got your motivation down, I think that yeah. that's a, a key part of the planning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and thirdly, yeah, just keep writing. You know, it's taken me a long time to get a publishing deal, 25 years. And, you know, I would say... I've never given up, but sometimes I have given up and, you know, I've changed to be a yoga teacher or, you know, I've just gone off and done something else. Um, but, yeah, just keep going, keep writing, um, finish, you know, don't keep starting different novels, finish one novel, get feedback on it, um, you know, from friends, from other writers, you know, professional feedback if you want to, you know, if you want to pay for that, go on courses. Um, and then, you know, once it's the best it can be, get it out there to agents. And while you're waiting for them to get back, mm. start on novel two. Well, you never know. You might write a psychological thriller about a yoga teacher next. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, really? <laughs> Thinking about um, readers oh, who like dear. psychological thrillers, what books would you compare Just Another Liar to? 
Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this. I find it a really you must really have when you uh, when you pitched the book compared it some, to some others. So so what what kind of what things would you say it's reminiscent of? So obviously, I I always <laughs> we always said girl on the girl on the train to um, <laughs> when I was pitching to agents, um, but. Um, you know, my publisher compares it to um, novels by Adele Parks and Leanne Moriarty. So it's very much that um, women's fiction with a dark twist. So, um, you know, it's not, you know, although I think it is quite fast paced, it's not thrillers and car chases and guns and all that. Uh, you know, it's about women's lives and the things that they go through and particularly the more mature lady, <laughs> you know, um, you know, the the sort of woman I can identify with, and I hope readers can identify with. So, those those sorts of novels, you know, I'd you know, love to be compared to Alex Marwood as well. I mentioned her before. Um, Sabine Durant is another favourite of mine. Um, I think they're hopefully similar to Louise Candlish and um, Lisa Jewell as well. I'm setting the bar high there for myself. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to, you've got to aim high. That's that's yeah. the whole idea. Um, finally, I know you've talked a little bit about this already. What are you working on now, or what are you working on next? Yeah, so I'm working on the second book for Avon. Um, so that is again going to be psychological suspense. Um, I'm, I finished the first draft. I'm just working on a second draft or maybe a third or fourth. Uh, I've lost count. Um, it's I can't really say much about it at the moment because my editor's not even seen it. But it, it is about uh, two women. I would say it's about two women and how their worlds collide. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, lovely. It's been great to talk to you, Mandy. Thank you so much oh, for coming thanks on. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you. That was Mandy Byatt talking about her thriller, Just Another Liar, which is out now and available to buy. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.